Hey, I'm Jake Brennan, and I want to tell you about Disgraceland, the award-winning music and true crime podcast that I host. Disgraceland tells the stories of musicians getting away with murder and behaving very badly. Fleetwood Mac, Nipsey Hussle, Cardi B, Ozzy Osbourne, Taylor Swift, Tupac, The Beatles, Amy Winehouse, Jay-Z, The Grateful Dead, and so many more. This is not the music history you've heard before. This is an uncensored, immersive look at the lives of musical icons as seen through the crimes they've committed or that have been perpetrated against them. Did Jerry Lee Lewis murder his fifth wife? What really happened to Sam Cooke in that seedy motel at 3 a.m.? And how did the Rolling Stones wind up sleeping with the First Lady? Wait, what? New episodes of Disgraceland drop every Tuesday with bonus episodes released on Mondays and Thursdays. So get in, buckle up, and join me in Disgraceland. Available right now, wherever you get your podcasts. Rock and roll. Videos are definitely important to me, and I feel like they're like a lost art form and now because mtv isn't like a thing like it was it's like there isn't as much money in music videos as there was and stuff and because of tiktok and all this shit people want like five second video it's just like it's depressing but i mean i don't care i think it's important to make them still hi this is lol tolhurst co-founder of the cure and this is budgie Co-founder of The Creatures, drummer with The Slits, and Susie and the Banshees. Welcome to Curious Creatures. Life after punk. You may think you know the territory, but we drew the map. So, uh, welcome this week to Curious Creatures, and delighted to introduce and welcome to the show, Arrow DeWild. Hi, Arrow. Hi. Uh, so, um, we've got a very good connection at the moment because we're both in Los Angeles. You're in Los Angeles at the moment? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, while we're waiting for uh, young Peter to get on the line... That's budgie to the rest of you. <laughs> we'll we'll have a talk. One thing I wanted to ask you about because uh, you have a track on on a new album, Los Angeles, which is absolutely awesome. From the first time I heard it and I heard you sing, it was great. I mean, uh, it was <laughs> it was the best. Yeah, it was the best vocal to be on that track completely and utterly. And you know, so I'm I'm very uh, very happy about that. Jackknife told me. That when you were in the studio, when you were in the studio with him and his recording, because you're one of the few people that actually came to the studio to record. Did did you know that? No. Yeah. No. Wait, okay, what do you mean? On. Like they just sent from <laughs> like Well, we were there. We were there. We were recording, but like when the pandemic hit and there was like, you know, yeah. We asked people to come and do some vocals. A lot, a lot of people were like spread out all over the world, but yeah, yeah. Uh, you were one of the few people to come and actually record a vocal in his studio. And he said you were very um intense on with writing the the lyrics for it all <laughs> and, and i i wanted to ask you about that because i'm a lover of lyrics i and you know with with the cure i wrote some of the lyrics and i love words and i know i know the power of words and the, and projections so was it i mean because i can't imagine what it's like was it hard for you to like get a song just the music and then suddenly start to think about, oh, well, what am I going to write about? Because, uh, you know, you didn't know us that well. Yeah. And, and you know, so how, how was that? 
How was that to write? Well, it was funny actually because Jack and I hit me up like to sing on a song. And so usually when I've, I mean, I've only done like kind of guest stuff like only a couple of times, but usually it's like they have the song and it's like, oh, we were thinking you'd sing this part. And so I thought it was like, I didn't come prepared basically because I was like, <laughs> you know, I got there and then he's like, showed me the the instrumental, like, you know, the, the, the track. And then um, I was like, yeah, so I was thinking you could just like freestyle some, I don't know, but I'm like, <laughs> I'm someone usually a song like takes me like so long to write because I just am, I go back and forth and I don't know, I overthink it a lot. And so I was kind of like, daunted a little bit like oh no and um luckily i had just a bunch of stuff in my notes app on my phone right i kind of was just like yeah spitballing random lines and he'd be like oh that's cool yeah yeah and then you know and we wrote it kind of like that and he did have an idea for kind of like the melody he was thinking which helped me just because i I also hadn't heard the song before I came to the studio, so I was like... Oh my gosh, wow. I was like, oh damn, yeah. <laughs> but it kind of was cool, because I've never, like, done a song that way, so it was a cool experience, for sure. And I like I like how it turned out, so... Yeah, no, I think it turned out great. And, you know, it's funny, you were saying, like, you came and you weren't sure what you were going to do. That was how we wrote the music, you know? Right. Normally, like, it's funny, because, like, normally, especially as you know you get making more records and and if you're a band and you go on for a long time people start to get stuck in what they they think their their role is like you know oh i'm the guitarist so i only do guitar and i'm gonna write it this way and when we made the album we had made a sort of half an album beforehand and it just sounded like you know, guy from the Cure, guy from the Banshees, and uh, we had Kevin Haskins at the time, so a guy from Bauhaus, and then we had a uh, friend of ours, Danny Loner from Nine Inch Nails, producing, and it just sounded like all those bands together, and we're like, ah, uh, no, we don't really want to sound like that. So, <laughs> um, you know, because that's like excavating; it's not, it's not discovery. It's like going back to right. digging up dinosaur bones, and we didn't want to do that. So, um. So when we met Jack now, he's like, well, let's just start again. Let's just throw everything out and just start again. So we got to the studio the first day, just like you. And we were like, okay, well, what are we going to do? And we just had, <laughs> you know, he's got like a million records. So we were sitting there and he'd start to say, oh, about this. And he, he mentioned something, he mentioned the Clash record. I said, oh, you know, the first Clash record, there's a picture on the back cover and I'm in that picture, you know? And so he said, well, I've got the record right here and, and pulled it down. And I said, yeah, you can't really tell if it's me or not, but I was there on the day and I remember like there was all this chaos and stuff and there, we were all running around. And so it sort of started a conversation and we started to talk about all different other kinds of music and he had all these records and we just listened to them again and again. And that kind of made it so, okay, now let's go and make some music. And so we just walk into the other room with all those bits of drums and stuff mm -hmm. and just bang on things until it felt right. That's cool. When do you first remember wanting to sing or wanting to make music? How old were you, do you think? Um, I mean, it's weird because um, I feel like it was a little later than most 
musicians. I don't know. Um, but like my dad's a drummer and my mom, when I was little, took photos of like a lot of bands and stuff. So I was always around it. Yeah. And always loved music. But I didn't really think about like what I wanted to do or be, I guess, I, like for a while. Um, yeah. So in middle school, I started playing drums. Right, good. My dad. Um, so at first I thought I wanted to be a drummer. And I really like playing drums, but um, it like didn't give me that like passion. Uh, but I also was not a classic. I didn't wasn't singing from a young age, so I always like really wanted to be a performer and a front person. But was kind of like with singing, they kind of it's like different with instruments. Or it's like oh yeah, you can learn anytime. But with singing, it's very like you kind of like grow up thinking, oh, well, if you're not born singing, like, you can't sing. It's just right, not possible. Right. Yeah. And it is, because it's, it is, you know, an instrument. It's definitely harder, I guess, than to, like, learn guitar and, like, you know, you're putting your fingers in there. Like, singing is definitely more vulnerable and, yeah. you know, you kind of control what comes out and stuff. But So then I started taking, uh, I took voice lessons for a long time and, yeah. Uh, kind of got to a place where I was comfortable enough to at least, like, you know, sing punk, punk music. Okay. So did that, did that help? Did that help, you think? It definitely yeah. helped. And I still, I still take, uh, I still have a vocal coach just because, yeah. uh, I don't know. I, I think it, I think it's always good to, to do that. Um, but yeah, it was kind of wasn't until high school that I was like, okay, I want to be a front man. Um, and kind of put a band together and like you know yeah figured it out or whatever but but yeah so it was kind of a gradual process of figuring out like okay i don't want to do music what it you know and and also like i realized when i was playing drums with friends and like we were jamming and stuff i was like couldn't imagine myself doing it live i was like damn like I've always loved attention, and I'm like, <laughs> I want. <laughs> this is not enough attention. Like, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, yeah. You know, for a lot of drummers, I mean, it's like you know, you're stuck at the back, and that, and people don't really, yeah, 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 unless they're drummers, they don't really get what's going on unless it goes wrong, and then they don't understand either. They sort of go, oh, something's wrong, but I don't know what it is, and uh, so you know, I mean, that's for me, I one reason to do this band so we would have two drummers you know out front as opposed to you know hiding and um yeah it's so cool i mean drums are so important and oh yeah if you ever got a good drummer in your band you got a crap band yeah oh yeah, yeah. that's honestly i think maybe i'm biased because my dad's a drummer but <laughs> i feel like all right. you need if, if your drummer is good everything else will like fall into place but if you don't have a good drummer it's like it's so noticeable it's weird you don't yeah i don't i don't know how to yeah and and when i see a band live i do i do watch the drummer a lot but i know it doesn't it doesn't it didn't give me that same feeling that like performing does and like commanding an audience and that kind of right a thing well but that's that's it it's good and you're right about the whole thing about with your instrument it's like when if if you're behind the drum kit or you're behind the guitar or you, you know you play the keyboards whatever it's like you're you're showing who you are but not as much as if you're a singer you know the singer you've got to be vulnerable and you're 
your voice is your instrument. So it's like, it's a lot harder to be out there and do that. But I mean, it, it's, it's like, I think, you know, really in the end, you found the right thing to do. Because it's funny, because when I started playing music, I was a singer. I was like, yeah, it was funny. I was singing in like uh, these little little things at school, you know, and 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 I thought, oh, maybe I should be a singer. And then I got to like thirteen or fourteen, and my voice changed, you know, like it does. And it was like, ah, okay, that's all over. I can't do that. I mean, so when you started, who did you play with first of all? Who who was like, you know, who did you say, okay, I think I can be a singer, and I'm, I, you know, now I need a band. Well, it took a while of finding, you know, the bandmates I have now. Like, it, it, like I had a a band with some girlfriends, like in, like early high school, and that was more. It was kind of before I realized I wanted to do it seriously. It was more kind of like a fun thing, and we played a couple shows and had like four songs, you know. <laughs> and then that when that kind of didn't work out. And that's what made me realize, like, I was upset about it, like, more upset, I guess, than I uh, thought I would be. And then I was like, oh, maybe I do want to do this. And then um, it was kind of a while of, like, because I was like, I really want to find the right bandmates and make this a real thing. Um, so it took a couple years of that. But in the meantime, um, I got, like, I was kind of fortunate to get, like practice in um performing because my dad at the time was playing in this cover band with like other members of like different bands and stuff and they would like play events or whatever and it was like kind of just a fun thing that they would do yeah when they weren't on tour and stuff and they would and they would have me sing cherry bomb by the runaways because oh, okay. yeah. they said such an easy song to sing. I was a huge Runaways fan too, and also just such an easy song to sing for beginners because it's really a lot of talking. And we'd be just, you know, they'd be playing to all these just like wasted people that no idea who I, you know, we are or right. I or right. you know, I was like in high school, so obviously I don't know who I am. But it was kind of cool way to like, uh, like yeah, like practice, I guess like the performance aspect. You did what was what they used to call paying your dues. You know, you'd be in front of an audience, even if it's just a small audience or yeah. not really the band that you want to be. But to do that prepares you for, for everything, how it's going to be, you know. So you did that, and then you had... Your first band. Yeah. Then I, I, you know, I met Henry, who plays guitar in Starcrawler at at school. Um, And then, you know, the other members just kind of fell into place shortly after that. And um, we kind of did, not for as long, but we kind of did the same thing where we didn't play for like a year or almost a year. Uh, like we, you know, wrote the songs obviously and like just practice them that kind of like when you're practicing You kind of or I would kind of like start envisioning. Okay I think I want to do this at this part or I want to wear this like I would start kind of planned like How I wanted to be on stage and right and so like our first show was this really our friend invited us to play 
his spot, which was this tiny, tiny little venue. Well, I know it actually wasn't a venue. It was like a, like a storage room for his like wow. pizza place that was next door. It was perfect because it was so small and all our friends and family came, which was only like probably like 40 or 50 people. But since it was so small, it felt packed, you know, yeah, sure. we were just playing on the floor. And I mean, it was honestly a really fun show. Like I have that I have fun. I'm glad that the first show wasn't totally depressing, but uh, I mean, yeah. it, maybe it sounds depressing, but it, it was fun. <laughs> uh, but um, yeah. And so I kind of developed this character um, where I, I came on stage in a hospital gown with like, you know, my tidy whities out showing out the flap and like, um, I spit like blood capsules and stuff. And, right. and I think that kind of helped, you know, we played live a lot before we started recording anything. And, uh, I think having that kind of shock factor at the time rock and like, Things rock adjacent or pretty dead. Like at least in California, it was very surfy and shoegazing, yeah. which is all cool. I mean, I like that stuff too. But but it was um, yeah, not so much happening, right? Yeah, I think it kind of. I think having that element helped us get out the door a bit because it was like, oh, this is like a thing to do, you know? Like, oh, let's go see this crazy chick. Fucking, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Well, but you know, I always think it's like you know there are a million bands. You know, we you know that there's million. You know, like I grew up south of London. Every bloody you know street had two or three bands. You know, and they're all practicing in the garage, right? So yeah, you got to be unique. And if you're not unique, if you haven't got something that makes you different from others, you could keep playing for years and nothing will happen. Yeah, you know, and. Uh, that was really good that you had a very strong idea of who you wanted to be. That that must have helped you a great deal, I think. Yeah, you know? I mean, def definitely. Like, because we also accepted or tried to book as you know as many shows as possible that first like year or two. Like it was like we were like right. three times a month, and we'd play some terrible like dive bar people like eating and stuff. Like at a certain point, we're like, okay, wait. We can't accept every show because this is getting a yeah. little grim. But it was also kind of good because it was like, I just know from growing up in LA, the bands that played a lot, you would like hear of because you'd be like, you'd recognize their name from posters and stuff. So I was like, I feel sure. like if we play a lot, sure, right. I mean, I don't know. I feel like it should help. <laughs> and then I think it did. Hi, I, think, I think you're right. It, it does help because like the first few years, we were playing like 100, 150 shows a year. So, you know, uh, that helps because I still meet people nowadays who say, you know, I saw you like 1982 and, and it makes you like the like the local band, you know, like they're like, oh, yeah, they're like our local band because we've seen them play all the time, you know, and uh, so they, they get attached to you. I think Budgie's going to be here right now. Hello. Hello. I thought we were on that late. No, 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 no. It's like an hour, hour's difference. I figured that's what was happening. We've been talking about um, starting the band and about getting out there and actually doing it. And I discovered that uh, Arrow has most certainly paid her dues. Was it like, 
Where have you done most of your um, playing? Um, I don't know about now. I mean, I guess probably LA, but also we've played a lot in the UK, honestly, because the first label we signed to was Rough Trade. Oh, okay, okay. And they kind of pushed us. They did really well for us like out in the UK and stuff. So like there was a certain point where we were playing there more than in the US. And I feel like we're still fighting for like the US audience. Like there's a lot of states that are like, it's pretty like low crowds. But when we play UK or Europe, we can go to right. some small town like we played in um like Guildford and like oh my gosh Guildford about 10 miles from where I grew up Guildford <laughs> wait what was the other one we did this one it's like a socialist town and it's really quaint I don't know we played some really weird like little towns and those will like sell out and stuff well, you know yeah so isn't this strange yeah it's interesting it seems to happen a lot with like American artists come over to Britain Britain really loves them and like you, you struggle back home and it's kind of yeah. America's hard. I think they're yeah. just not as grateful for stuff. <laughs> yeah, but it works. It works. The other, it works the other way too, though. It works the other way too because when we were struggling in England, we came to America, and America loved right. us. So it, it it works the other way too. Yeah. I mean, I think you're right about that. Like bands like Smashing Pumpkins couldn't get arrested in America, and then they 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 were like huge in britain for first yeah jimmy hendrix oh hebden bridge that's that's the town i was trying to think of hebden, we played bridge. hebden bridge that's like the <laughs> antiques road show or something goes through hebden bridge we've got the antiques road show today and star crawler <laughs> <laughs> it was crazy and uh norwich we do norwich loves us norwich right oh yeah they would yeah, yeah. we play there a lot at the that old church venue i was going to say we just finished the well. The video's coming out very shortly. Have you seen it yet? Um, I saw like a rough cut. A rough cut, yeah. It's there great. was no, there was no rough, there was no rough cut really because it was all great, right? Even mm-hmm. even even the iPhone stuff they took of you at the, on the day, yeah, that was great. No, it looks cool. I mean, it, it was a. It's hard not to critique myself, but I think it's good. <laughs> well, we'll we'll critique you for it. I, I think hope it I did. Yeah. <laughs> Let's, let me say, I so I kind of arrived, and uh, ladies and gentlemen, I arrived in uh, East LA, wherever it was. There was some kind of um, warehouse place, and I could hear like, uh oh, yeah. the track blasting away. So I thought, great, it's really loud, and so the neighborhood could hear it. Yeah, I asked. I per- I was like. Cl- they had to find like a louder speaker because it like wasn't loud enough. Like, oh, good, it was you. Great, <laughs> you say so you're like, no, I need it really yeah. loud. And and I was thinking, okay, yeah. I'm just gonna put my head. I just kind of peeped through this like metal door and I just kind of hinged it by hoping I wouldn't interrupt. And luckily, I didn't. But I saw everything. In, you were like in full flow, mm. and it was like it was intense. <laughs> and then it sort of the music stopped, and I thought, now's the time to go and say hello. And the energy and the the heat coming off you was amazing. It was like intense, really? <laughs> and I just thought, okay, this is going to be amazing, and and it is, and it was, and you were. That's so funny. Yeah, so that's a good critique. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> we 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 just it was really good for us as well, because for the first time this project, it felt like we had kind of a unit we had a, like it felt like a band and that was a really nice feeling yeah and i think um our our video man mr frost did a great job 
And and then there's the strange character. So there's me and Lol and yourself, and we're like we're like two sort of bookends either side, and you're in the middle. It's kind of like a, it's a kind of like a crucifixion scene or something, you know. And um, <laughs> there's then this strange image, this character that kind of creeps around with an iPhone. It's really um that they were great. It was really strange, like um. Well, everything can be projected on them. Right. You've done a lot of videos. You have a lot of fun doing them. Yeah, I, videos are definitely important to me, and I feel like they're like a lost art form. And now because MTV isn't like a thing like it was, it's like there isn't as much money and music videos as there was and stuff and because of tiktok and all this shit people want like five second video it's just like it's depressing but i mean i don't care i i think it's important to make them still yeah no absolutely we too remember when video was like well you know it started off like a white screen and the band's standing there looking a bit like you know now what do we do but by the end of it we really yeah by the end of it we were trying to just make it all not be about instruments just like being about film being about an image thing somehow making making some moving images but then you get like when we 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 got together it it was like well what we're gonna do and um we we had we'd kept away from putting drum kits anywhere near anything and so it just it, it was almost the the perversity of it you know like so we we borrowed two drum kits which looked the same and then how did you come about what you were wearing? What did what did you find the outfit? Um, I mean, I have just a, too many clothes. I have so much stuff. And <laughs> um, the director said it was kind of like he was thinking like Black Dahlia vibes. So I have a lot of clothes. And so I was like, okay. And I just, I actually wear two dresses. Like one is like a slip thing. And then the other one went over it and... I think it's like the one that I'm wearing on top is, I think it's from like the 20s or 30s. So um, I was like, I feel like this is good. And yeah, I don't know. It's just all stuff I had. I just showed up because sometimes when you bring too many options, the director wants the one that you don't want that much. So I was like, (laughs) I just came dressed up already to go. Yeah, very, very clever. (laughs) Yeah. If you come like, I'm here, I'm ready, let's go. Yeah. I did a photo shoot in San Francisco with Susie and they'd got the suit and the dress. And so Susie immediately picked the suit. So I got the dress and that was kind of unexpected. (laughs) So May, you had to wear the dress. Okay. That's cool. <laughs> yeah, but I didn't know how to wear. I didn't know how to wear the slip properly, so it was like one of those Gucci things with like it was, it was black at least, and it had like a slip and a, and an overbit. You see, and oh yeah, and the the, the um, either the makeup or the costume person uh, was I think he's I forget his name drag artist, and he had his shoes with him, his his uh, stilettos, you know, kind of like uh, Fredericks of Hollywood specials mm-hmm. and they were in my size. So yeah, unfortunately, maybe fortunately or unfortunately, <laughs> it was, uh, my day was made. 
I was in really um, uncomfortable stilettos the whole day <laughs> uh, with my slip hanging down <laughs> on one leg and I hadn't even shaved. So it was like, yeah. Cool. But sometimes they create the things you, you, you least expect to happen. And they were probably some of the best photos we'd ever done. Just, you know, she looked, she looked great with her hair all slicked back and a cigarette and and I was kind of shorn. Yeah, I remember that one. Bleached, yeah. like cropped. So it was kind of really kind of strange. Um, easier to play the drums in, by the way. Did you realize that Arrow was a drummer before she was a singer? Of course. Right, that was her first instrument. Yes, of course. Yeah, because yeah. you know how I know? Because when I watch, you are drumming when you move. <laughs> the, the, and also the, fra the phrasing. There's a lovely bit right at the beginning of the song where you go, oh, I think it's right on right before the downbeat. It's like such a long way. I thought, ah, oh, only a drummer knows that. Uh -huh. <laughs> <laughs> you, uh, the way it's it's like you were like conducting the imaginary band or orchestra, really, and it's 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 so tight and and yet so fluid. I'm, I'm full of compliments tonight because I just think you deserve them. So they're Thank great. Thank you. <laughs> One of the reviews of, of the album said that this track reminded them of sort of a hoedown in the, the bottom of, a, of an oil drum. And I oh, thought, I saw that. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, doing like a little hoedown at one point. There's like, there's like a little bit. Of, yeah, definitely it's hoedown. So that's great. That's great. You know, we we finally get to put some kind of image to all the noise and the the sound. And uh, I can't remember how this track came about, which is really hard to remember sometimes. You know what happened first. You know, um, I remember the drum bit. Bum 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 bum. There's a kind of dung 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 dung. <laughs> Dung, 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 which is almost a bit of a tune. But there's like, I think it's, when did it really get going? It was like, there's a lovely kind of bassy synth. It sounds like a twangy bass sound. That's, I love that sound. Which bits do you, do you latch on to like the beat first arrow or do you just kind of whatever comes first, whatever hits you um, when you're writing? I, I guess, well, normally, I guess... This song is very beat driven. So this one, it definitely was more the beat than like the guitars and stuff, which I love the guitars, but um, like for, you know, Starcrawler stuff, it's usually me and the guitar player. It usually starts with the guitar part and then and then the, the, the melody and the lyrics come from that. I like that. But it was interesting writing to more of a drum driven song i hadn't ah. really done that before so it was daunting but it was also fun it's good i miss that that's kind of how some some of our stuff came about was just you know guitarists and bassists start when they left the room yeah and just drums and voice left right and they thought went well that'll do <laughs> and they came back and they said sounds great just leave it like that well, also the, the the thing is you think about it you know most modern music if you ask people well, what, what do you what do you remember about it they remember the voice mm -hmm. and they remember the beat yeah yeah you know so so those are the two most they're the two most important things and people often don't think they are yeah but they are it's true know? yeah 
Yesterday, I had to put together some a playlist, and I thought, got to get a theme. Halloween was a pretty good theme. And I remember this film called American Werewolf in London. And there was like the guy who was mm-hmm. transforming yeah. into a werewolf while Creedence Clearwater Revival's Bad Moon Rising was playing. <laughs> and it's one of those when, you know, you were saying like, this is like a hoedown. Uh oh. And it's like, boom, chick, boom, chick, boom, chick, boom. And, but yeah. Bad Moon Rising is a bit of a kind of happy beat, you know. Jing, 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 boom, chick, boom, chick, boom. Yeah. Uh, well, that's what, you, like, the guys in the band, apparently, because I read a little bit about, you know, John Fogerty and and they were going, yeah, it's a really, like, happy beat, but, like, yeah. he's singing about, like, there's a bad moon on the rise, I see we're in for stormy weather, there's some, it's like nuclear winter on the way, you know, and it's kind of that when you, you catch people out by, they're on the dance floor going, like, you know, mm-hmm. it's really sweet little beat, and then finally they they hear the words. <laughs> And I, I like it when people are drawn in. Yeah. I like songs that have dark lyrics in general, but especially when, I mean, I like songs that sound dark overall, but also I like like what you said when a song sounds like a really happy song, but if you pay attention to the lyrics, it's like either like depressing or sad, scary or something. It's yeah. Cool. No, I, I, I agree with you. I mean, I remember like, uh, years ago, a Bowie, David Bowie single, you know, Sound of Vision, and every, and it was very jolly and jolly around and that. But if you listen to the lyrics, it's actually kind of intense, right. you know, and it, and it, and weird. So I like that, you know, and that made me realize back then, okay, you can write stuff that people are going to be able to, you know, dance to or feel okay about. But you, yeah. can, but you can put your whole thing in that you really want to get across as well. So uh, there's a lot of power in that. Yeah. It's like tricking people. Well, yes, a little bit. <laughs> I, I, I prefer that we're, we're showing them the way, you know, uh, rather than tricking them. You know. That is the funny thing, that quite often people miss the, the humor in the dark side. Yeah. Like you say, like, you know, playing tricks, leading people on the wrong way. It's kind of like, you know, just like trick or treat. What's it going to be? Do you like playing with that sort of thing in your music, Aaron? Yeah, yeah. We definitely have some songs like that. There was a song on the last record that kind of has like a disco rock, disco beat, and it's kind of sounds like a happy song, but the lyrics are like pretty <laughs> depressing, like super depressing. But like, yeah, you don't really, I don't think, I don't know if like you notice at first, but. <laughs> What's it called? Because I'm going to check it out. It's called Jet Black. What's next? What's next, Arrow, for you? What's, what's the next thing? You um, we're just writing the next record. Home for a bit. It's weird for me. I feel like I'm. I haven't related to this with. It. Most musicians think the opposite. So I don't know if I'm crazy, but I prefer being on tour than making records. Like the record to me is fun. Like I love writing and I love I I love it. Don't get me wrong. Yeah. But it's like for me, I'm like, okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's do this so that we can get back on tour. You know what I mean? Like yeah. whereas the rest of my bandmates are more like like being in the studio and that kind of a thing. Right. And maybe it's because I'm 
just singing. It's not like I'm even performing in the studio. So it's like, obviously I love singing, but yeah. it doesn't give me the full, I don't know. I also have been touring since I was 17, 16 or something. It's just like. It's the stage. Yeah. That little step, that one little step, it doesn't matter how how high the stage is, you can step onto it <laughs> or you can have a huge walkway and it can be, it doesn't matter once you're up there, it's like your territory. Is that how it feels? Yeah, totally. I always liked, uh, I always liked being on tour and going on stage because I tell people this and uh, maybe you can relate. When, when I go on stage, it's like my happy place, my heart rate goes down. I, I'm not scared up there. It's the opposite. I'm, I'm like comfortable. Yeah. yeah. So, you know, I really, I, like- I, I still get nervous before. Like I I'll still get really anxious before and be like, Oh, you know, like I don't want to do this, mm-hmm. and, but not actually, you know, but like once I'm immediately on stage, it's like, it's, you strike me. As I say, when I met you, it was like, performance you, you were like 150 percent and, and and it was amping up at that point it was like you were you were totally drained and spent yeah. and this is like performance after performance super super intense because you have to be yeah if you, it's just one song really hard to do a tv show where you've got to do one song you usually have like yeah. half a gig to get to that point you know so i totally get it that you know you feel half of you is missing in a way when you're in front of mm-hmm. a, a microphone that's on a stand in a studio and you're expected to stand there keep a distance from the mic so you don't kind of get this kind of like things so going off the microphone like this yeah and it's it, it's sort of like it, it's must be frustrating and then so yeah totally get it that you know the the stage and live is your domain must be hard in the studio yeah i mean it's just really slow because it's like you know the most when we go in the studio the most important parts is making sure the drums sound good and all that kind of stuff because vocals can kind of add them you know wherever so a lot of times it's me just kind of lying around and being like no way i don't like that you know i'm still i'm like involved but i'm not like for them, they kind of are performing because we track a lot of stuff live. Yeah, you know, a lot of the instruments are just like it's all like live in the room, and so for them, it's a little different. Um, and they like nerd out on the gear and all this stuff. <laughs> but for me, like I'm just kind of like, like it's fun and I like it, but it's like a lot of more downtime for me. It's not. I don't get that same thing I get from like when we play live. And I also just like, apart from the shows, also. I love just being like on the move and like seeing these weird places every day and figuring out what to do and Yeah, no, I'm 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 just like you. I could be on the road, I could be on tour for like a year and I I would be quite happy, you know. Yeah. <laughs> I just every day get on the bus, go into a different place, you know. And it's like you do the same thing but it's a different place. Yeah. I like it too. I remember we we were either in the studio or getting ready on the road. We were live or in the studio. Um, I, th- I think I remember Susie would, some early recordings, it was just a band set up in the studio with a lot of screens around where the vocal mic was. She may even have like a handheld mic. Wow. And we just put down what was going to be like a guide vocal because there'd be a lot of spill on it. And if you wanted to do any editing you'd get the wrong part on the on that open mic mm. but quite a few like around juju 
that our song Night Shift, where we, you know, that album, we were almost like making ideas up in the studio. It was kind of ideas we'd already had, but we fleshed them out in the studio. And that those guide vocals became the basis of the lead vocal. Right. And so there isn't there is an energy that can, comes off being with your band, I sure. think, you know, and your band actually it, it, affecting your vocal mic as well. It's it's like, I don't know, try every different situation, I suppose. See what works best. Yeah. I mean, all of our albums, the instrumentation is all that, like they're all playing together at the same point and stuff. Um, and I'll do a scratch vocal, but I always end up wanting to like, re- like overdub it and flesh it out and get into comping and all that. But like for this next album, I kind of want to experiment with more less overdubs. I feel like we got a little crazy with the overdubs on the last album, just adding, a, oh, let's add this on this. And, you know, and, <laughs> um, I kind of want to like strip it back a bit and really like kind of get that live sound and like, yeah, two guitars, you know, bass, drums, vocal. Um, yeah, I like that. And I love that double, that like hard double vocal, like Aussie, you know, Sabbath kind of like double vocal sound now, now you're talking budgies uh oh i that was the first on my list what was it now it was like uh, it was black sabbath black sabbath it was the first ever oh yeah first track first album that's my favorite band for sure oh. yeah yeah I mean, Ozzy was goth before goth, you know. I know, I know, and I think he's still so cool. I, I'm, but I'm, I'm. He's like my idol. He's cool. <laughs> he's totally cool. Anybody can go on television and go, Sharon, <laughs> <laughs> and like still be okay at the end of it. He's still going, that's Ozzy. But that when you watch those, this first first track on a first album, it's like, just just. Three notes. Boom, boom. Yeah. Boom. And drums. <laughs> and, and, and the voice. And then. That's all just, you need. That's all you really need, right? Three notes and the drums. <laughs> and a great voice. And that's <laughs> where I thought all great voices, great voices just carry stuff and great personality. And mm-hmm. the ability to kind of give you performance just through the vocal somehow give you the mood good example probably apart from, apart from ozzy is like like jim morrison mm-hmm. it's it's kind of almost in a haze in a daze but you get this depth of meaning that always you always hear it in the recordings and the band's kind of skipping along yeah yeah and then this kind of groan comes in you just go i don't want to be here but i'm gonna do it anyway he had a good trick of whispering along with the voice as well so we'd have this whisper in the background Whisper track, yeah. Oh, actually, a producer. Whisper that, track. You've done whisper track. Yeah, we've done whisper tracks on some songs. Um, I learned that from our the second album we did. We did with this producer Nick Lanay. I don't know if you know him. Right, we know Nick. Yeah. Oh, and we've had we've talked to Nick. Yay. Yeah, and he taught me that because I guess uh, he produces a lot of yeah yeah stuff, and he said that she adds a whisper double on every song but it's really like you can't tell but it just adds this like 
smoothness. I don't know. It it's it, there. It's, it, yeah. tickles, it tickles the little hairs on the inside of your eardrum when you've got the headphones on. It's like, yeah. it's like you know, when somebody whispers in your ear and you go, oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what's, what's your average day? What's today going to be like? Um, <laughs> uh, well, this morning I had, I, what I've been doing lately is because unless like me and Gilbert, my boyfriend watch something, we'll, we'll watch something cool together. Um, I try to only watch like reality TV when I'm eating. So like if I order food or I make food, I'll be like, okay, I like earned this. <laughs> I like earned this. Yeah, you've earned it. So I'll watch an episode. I love that. While I eat my food. And then if that leads to like one more episode, that's fine. But <laughs> <laughs> um, thanks so much. It's been uh, great um, just having you on the on the album, but like um but thanks for coming on talking just like Sharing crazy stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys. <laughs> Cheers. Curious Creatures is created and presented by Lol Tolhurst and Budgie. Producer, Joe Wong. Producer and audio designer, Dan Didier. Executive producer, Mark Cates. Associate producer, Sophie Wilde. Digital marketing, Margie Taylor. Art and logo design, Justin Thomas Kay. Music production, Jack Knife Lee. Assistant editor, Ben Miller. Curious Creatures is on the web, and you can access us at www.curiouscreaturespodcast.com. And you can reach us on Instagram and Facebook at Curious Creatures Official, Twitter at Cure Creatures. To find more of the best music podcasts, visit doubleelvis.com or follow at doubleelvis on Instagram or at doubleelvis on Twitter. Curious Creatures is a production of LXB LLC 2023.